Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Today is so beautiful outside. <laughs> it is beautiful. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm excited to take a walk today. Are we going to have time? Yes. Of course, we're going to find a way to have time. Oh my gosh. Okay. We got we got a busy busy schedule today. I know. Back to back. Back, back to back. But back, it's okay. Back this to is back. this is our first recording back from summer break. I know. It's so fun. And this will probably be airing in like December so they're going to be like, "What the heck?" <laughs> I mean, I always Secrets think about out. That. Yeah, I always think about that when we talk about like time sensitive things. That's yeah, okay. All right. So today we have a guest. This is part of our medical skepticism series. And I think her experience is super interesting because essentially we're going to be talking to Christy, who was in her 30s when she received a false negative result on her mammogram when in fact she had breast cancer. So did you know that overall screening mammograms miss like one in eight breast cancers? Oh, that's terrifying. I know. I don't think it's talked about a lot. Women with dense breasts, we know, are more yeah, likely to get a false negative sure. result. My sister-in-law actually just had like a little bit of a, hmm, is that something or not? And, hmm. you know, as a lot of these doctors do, they say, we'll wait six months, come back and we'll mm-hmm. see if it's grown. Right. So false negative mam- mammograms definitely can give women a false sense of security thinking that they don't have breast cancer when in fact they do, which is what Christy's story is. So today we're going to talk to Christy and we're going to talk about how she knew she needed a mammogram. And then we're going to find out about what her initial results showed and how a delayed diagnosis resulted in a later stage breast cancer. Yep. And then finally, what she wants other women to know if you feel lump or uncomfortable, if you're uncomfortable with your original diagnosis. But before we do that, let's hear from our first sponsor. Thriven is a proud sponsor of Faith Through Fire. Thrivent believes money is a tool and not a goal. The Gateway Financial Group with Thrivent is local to the St. Louis area and can work with you to create a financial strategy that reflects your priorities and helps you protect the things that matter to you, like family and giving back. Please call 314-783-4214 to schedule a free consultation with one of Thrivent's Gateway Financial Advisors. Welcome, Christy. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so take us back to 2017. How old are you? How or how old are your kiddos at this time? Because this is like when you get your. This is when all everything kind of hits a fan, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was 32, and my kids were four and one at the time. Oh, so you're, I, you're right in there with Sarah and I. I like, know. I didn't know we were the exact same age when we were diagnosed. That's so cute. Well, that was not when I was diagnosed. That oh, was when I, that's when she first realized she had oh, a lump. Oh, so, got it. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. So you you felt a lump in 2017, and did you reach out to your doctor right away? So, so it's weird because I actually felt a lump in my neck and a lymph node mm. for quite a while, 
And I was kind of concerned about that. And I thought that was kind of strange. And then it kind of got me paranoid about all lumps. Mm -hmm. And so then I actually did, uh, you know, a self-examination. And then I was like, oh, what's that? This little jelly bean size on my upper chest. And I just remember thinking, I just need to know what my normal is. This is, uh, this might be something. And and I'm I'm so young though. So it was kind of weird to me that like, it would even be, it wasn't even really on my mind. I was, oh, this is, this is crazy. This can't be. Anything. Do you have any but family history or anything? No, no mm. family history, nothing. So, but I just kept having this thing over and over again. You need to know what your normal is because I do have dense breasts and I did just finish breastfeeding my youngest at the time. And I just over and over and over in my head, just get it checked out. Just get it checked out. You need to know, you need to know. And I just could not shake that. And then with the lump in my neck, my lymph node in my neck was swollen. I was just paranoid. So yeah, yeah. I called my I called my doctor right away. I need to I need to get in. Yeah. And it was like December. I really need to get in before the new year starts. Ah, uh, that deductible starts <laughs> over. Uh, yeah. The dreaded deductible. So, so did you go to see your doctor or did you ask for a mammogram at that point? Did you go see your doctor first? I went and saw my doctor, well, the nurse practitioner who I love. She's like my favorite. And she was like, yeah, you should. She's like, I was probably nothing, but you should go get a mammogram. And I was like, okay. okay. So, so yeah, they referred you, they referred you to Watson Imaging Center in St. Louis, which what I think is so interesting about that is that's exactly where I had my mammogram for my breast cancer. So, Are you serious? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. 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 It was so funny because when, when, when all this came out, I was like, holy cow, that's where I went. So <laughs> so let's talk about that. I want to talk about your experience at this imaging center and kind of what you were told. But before we do that, do you want to do Boobs in the News? <laughs> you are so excited to jump into Boobs in the News. You were yeah. laughing about it. I know. <laughs> you were laughing about it before we even got the on. The thought of it is still in my head. <laughs> she was chuckling people. So I don't know. Now the bar has been raised. If it's not that good, I'm going to be like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News! Boobs in the News! Boobs in the News! All right, so I think this is also really funny because I grew up next to my neighbors had a peacock growing up. Okay. Have you ever heard of peacock? Uh, have I ever heard of the bird? No, not heard of. Have you ever heard of peacock? Oh. Peacock? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so did you know? Did you, did you know? Apparently, that they are like terrified of their reflection and they'll attack it. Oh, and so like if they see their reflection in a car, they'll attack the car. Oh, or like they can get really aggressive if they're protecting their nests. Oh, okay. So there was this place in hold on Pinecrest, Florida, and in the Miami Dade County. And they were have they were kind of being overrun by peacocks. Oh, uh huh. Interesting. So they're having this issue, and people were getting really freaked out, and you know, wondering what they're going to do about the peacock situation. <laughs> any guess? Any guesses what they decided to do? Put mirrors all over the town. No, <laughs> so that they would just kill the peacocks <laughs> right, themselves. Right. Like, no. It's like suicide peacocks. Bit, they decided to collect them and then give them vasectomies. What? <laughs> <laughs> Not like make a farm or send them someplace. Like <gasps> they, they sterilize to, the peacock they community. They sterilize them. They yeah. sterilize the peacock community. They collected them and sterilized them. Yes. Yeah, so I just thought it was a really funny story. Oh, uh, because my. basically they were just like chopping it at the you know at the what? head. Like they're stopping mating season. 
Oh, that's kind of, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how I feel about this. My father-in-law has a farm and they had one lone peacock. Mm-hmm. And I mean, oh, the, poor guy. This peacock, I don't know what the life expectancy is on a mm-hmm. peacock, but this guy was around for a really, really long time until he wasn't. Yeah. Like then one day it was like, I think he, I think he got electrocuted, honestly. Well, when they can get really aggressive is when they're trying to mate and it's like the boys. So, I mean, you guys, it makes sense that they're doing vasectomies on the boys because they're the ones that are like oh i look at the pretty little girl and then they just like attack <laughs> little children or something oh, i don't know no. yeah oh my gosh I don't... this, this happened this happened in florida right florida yeah who knew i knew they had an alligator issue i did not know they had a peacock Apparently. issue not now <laughs> when was this i don't know don't go to florida if you're a peacock yeah. all the peacocks that are listening <laughs> it's not florida is not peacock friendly <laughs> Uh, DeSantis might be like, no peacocks allowed in Florida. All right, there's your bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. All right, we're back. Christy, tell me how this went when you went to go get your mammogram. I'm really curious how it how it was compared to my experience. So, I'm, I'm tell me how it went. Yeah, I mean everything was you know per usual. I guess what they usually do. I got a mammogram and then they did go ahead and do an ultrasound while I was there. So I don't know if that's normal, but maybe because I had, I had a concern, you know, they didn't just do a mammogram. They did an ultrasound of the spot. My results came back and everything said everything was normal and there was no concern. That's hmm. interesting. When I went there, I was terrified because I felt the lump and I just knew kind of in my gut, like, that's not good. It shouldn't be Mm -hmm. there, right? Like you shouldn't be 35 Mm -hmm. with a lump like that in your breast. And I went to that center and I thought the staff was really, really friendly and really nice. But I remember just being so terrified. And as I'm getting my first ever mammogram, the mammography tech was like, oh, I'm looking at it. There's nothing there. You're fine. And I felt this immense sense of relief, obviously. Mm -hmm. But she's like, because we feel lump, like we'll do an ultrasound just in case. And when they did my ultrasound, that's when they saw four tumors. So you were diagnosed from this place. I was diagnosed from this place. But- it took like the mammogram showed nothing. Mm-hmm. Turns out I was stage two and had four tumors, which only showed up on their ultrasound equipment. Mm. But I think about like if they hadn't given me that ultrasound, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they would have sent me home saying I was fine, mm-hmm. which is what happened to you, Christy. So you go home and you have relief, right? Like you're 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 in the clear. Right. And and why would I think anything otherwise? I'm 32 years old. I'm young. You know, all I had ever heard of was over 40. If you're over 40. Right. So I was like, OK, I'm good. Except the lump in my neck never went away. And that just kind of concerned me. And I just never felt like myself. You know, months went by and I was like, something's off. I'm just not myself. And I kept going back to my doctor actually. And she was like, oh, let's do some blood work and whatnot. And she's like, oh, it looks like you, uh, your blood work come, came, come back and it looks like you just had mono. So that would explain why you're not feeling yourself. And I was like, okay, another huge relief. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just had mono, which I don't know if I actually did now. I have <laughs> never asked. <laughs> yeah. So doctor, I mean, mono, too, is like something that can linger for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So if your symptoms just kind of continued to linger, I could see how you'd be like, well, this is just part of mono. Everybody's heard about how mono can just kind of be that nagging Mm -hmm. ant, right? Like never goes away. What uh, exactly? When did you when did you say, uh uh, 
this isn't the right path and like that <laughs> how did how did it turn from mono back to breast cancer well it's crazy because it really was it was watson they sent me a letter and it was like it's time for your six month follow-up and i was like huh I was like, I don't need to go to a follow-up. What is this? And I actually ignored it. It's So it's my fault. And I ignored it for about a month, another month. And then they sent me another letter and it was like, you need to come in. <laughs> okay. So I did. And that's when the ultrasound showed the lymph node and the swollen lymph node in my armpit. Mm, okay. Oh, gotcha. That's so interesting because we were just talking about it in a previous episode that it's not unusual when women have a lump. They do imaging. They say it looks fine, but let's check back in six months. Mm -hmm. Doctors sure. love to do that. They'll say yeah. they do the wait and see. It's the wait <laughs> the and see. Six months of anxiety. Yeah, it's the wait and see I... approach, which is like six <laughs> yeah. months of nonstop anxiety for the women that get that news yeah. most of the time. Some yeah. women are just like, eh, it's fine. And it's, you know. I, I think six months is way too long. I just think mm -hmm. that shortened. Well, we just had a woman who had same similar situation in the fact that she had breast cancer in her left side. She had a lumpectomy. Well, then her most recent mammogram showed a mass in the right. And she, of course, spiraled because mm. she didn't want to have to go through treatment all over again. But they checked it out and essentially said, let's wait six months and see if it grows. We don't think it is breast cancer, but let's just check it out in six months. And to her credit, she was like, I'm not waiting six months. Right. And so they settled on three. She she felt comfortable with three months with the wait and see approach. But, you know, I when we were talking about it, I'm you can choose yeah. how to how to handle this. You know, I think they were trying to avoid an invasive biopsy if they didn't need it. But at the and same I think it's important to speak up about like my mental health cannot take six months. Yeah. <laughs> we got let's figure out something I mean, in like, between. Yeah, I mean do. some people yeah. are some people are fine with waiting. Usually it's women who have never had breast cancer yeah. can wait. You know, they're just mm -hmm. like, it's probably nothing. That's when we all get the you're young, you're healthy. It's probably right. nothing. Just wait six months. You have dense breasts. Okay, I'll wait six months. But once you've had yeah. breast cancer, so but you didn't even get the note you didn't you were not even told at your first visit we want to do a wait and see and mm -hmm. see you back here in six months you only found that out when you got your letter right which is crazy and, and, yeah i just because i even remember getting a call from my doctor the first time she was like did you see everything came back good like you're good and honestly like the letter might may have said something about six months but the initial report was you're clear why would i even I didn't feel like that was like a like a conversation to even be needed to be had. Yeah. So you get diagnosed with breast cancer. And at this point, what was your stage in diagnosis? So I was diagnosed with stage three. OK. And was it estrogen positive? Yeah. Estrogen, progesterone positive, HER2 negative. Okay. And it had it was the size of a softball in my breast. And it was in at least five or six lymph nodes. OK. Wow. So by that time, a soft, I mean, a softball is huge. So were you feeling it at that point? I mean, that is big. No, <laughs> you... that is the absolute crazy thing is that my breasts are so dense that even after they told me that it was like eight centimeters, you know, long and wide, I still couldn't really tell. Wow. Mm. So, yeah, in that time. OK, so then, of course, you know, once you get that news, they thrust you into treatment and you do all the things. Mm -hmm. You do a double mastectomy, you do chemo, you do radiation, you do the drug therapy. So you're kind of just doing what we all do. Right. You're in that fight or flight. You're doing what you have to do. You're raising your kids, your husband and you yep. are trying to work it out. Yep. So how long after you get done with treatment before another letter shows up in your door? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so from. You're talking about from Watson? Yeah. 
Yeah. So actually it wasn't a letter. It was someone from the news station reached out to me. Oh, interesting. Okay. And they, they saw a Google review I had left for Watson because at the time when my doctor told me, Hey, they missed this. So yeah. So when I was diagnosed and basically they're telling me it's stage three, oh, it might be stage four at the same visit. They're telling me that Watson, they saw my images from Watson and there was calcifications in it, which would have merited further investigation had I gone to an actual breast center. So there was clear markers in there. From the so, first time. Yes. Got it. Yes. So from the first. So, so, you know, I was kind of in shock. And so the kind of comically, I, in my anger, I just left them a bad Google review. <laughs> I said, do not go here. The power of, you know, the power <laughs> of the media there. And that's how you, yeah. that, that's how you hit them. Yeah. So apparently some other women who were, had gone to Watson after I had gone. So I went in the late 2017. So women who were going in late 2018, 2019, 2020 were, were receiving a letter with their mammogram results saying, do not trust these results. Please go get a second opinion. We're being investigated by the FDA. Oh. Our mammogram system or whatever is being investigated by the FDA. So a woman who got this letter was like, this isn't good. And she went to the news station. And so, you know, they did some investigative journalism and they found my Google review and they contacted me and this is happening. And I learned of several other women that Watson missed their cancer. And yeah, just really, really hard pill to swallow after all that. Just crazy. So I think it's important to like kind of note and because a lot of people who listen probably don't know that differences can occur between different imaging centers. So mm -hmm. You know, whether sometimes it's an independent imaging center, which is what Watson was, it's not owned by a hospital or a big healthcare system. It, they're usually like independent imaging centers are usually privately owned. They operate at a lower price. So when people have to decide, am I going to go to an independent imaging center versus a hospital? A lot of times they pick an independent center because it's a third of the cost. Mm -hmm. And so there's differences between those independently run and the hospitals. And a lot of times, like with these independent centers, appointments are available way sooner than if you go to a hospital-based facility. You know, it can take you days or weeks to get into a hospital. And so you they often will to market to you by saying, oh, we can give you the same day or next day appointments and results. We'll mm -hmm. give you results before you ever leave. And so that's really appealing to people who yeah. where cost is an issue and where their anxiety is really high. The downside to this, and and this doesn't mean that hospitals can't also have issues with quality because they can. But you need to understand, too, that quality when it comes mm -hmm. to imaging can vary greatly based on the equipment and right. the skill of the yeah. technician that's that's looking at you. And mm -hmm. so a lot of people don't realize this. And so we don't know what we don't know. Right. And and I didn't know that at that time. I had never had a mammogram. I trusted that when I went to Watson that their equipment was state of the art and that their technicians were all highly skilled and and that they would absolutely catch my breast cancer. And if I had stopped at a mammogram, they would have missed mine as well. So just something to look for for the people that are listening. Accreditation by the American College of Radiology is, is kind of the gold standard for imaging services. So hospitals in the United States are not required by law to have accreditation from the American College of Radiology. You can always, they'll always promote it though, like ACR. 
or we're ACR accredited, but it's kind of the gold standard. So if you want to know if your imaging center is up to date and following the latest and greatest, you can ask if they're ACR accredited and they'll tell you and that might help you feel confident in their ability. I will tell you, though, I have worked for hospitals where certain imaging equipment is outdated and old, too. So it's not to say it's a fail safe if you Mm -hmm. go to a hospital. But you just really want to be knowledgeable about that because it matters. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, Christy and I found out the hard way because mm-hmm. we didn't know. I mean, yeah. I, I would have never guessed that there was differences in quality. Well, and I think it's really cool what, Christy, you ended up not just sitting on this. You had news stories done about your story and you went and spoke in Jefferson City, the capital mm-hmm. here in Missouri. Yeah. And, and share a little bit about what that was like. Yeah. So, well, just even doing the news stories was, you know, really interesting and really cool and just getting to share my story and just be an advocate for, you know, listening to yourself. And yeah, like you said, going to a breast center where all they do every day is look at boobs, you know, and that's what they know the best. But yeah, I actually got to go speak in Jeff City, you know, loosely related to this because obviously, you know, Watson kind of did me wrong and did a lot of women wrong. So, you know, I got a lawyer and tried to do some things, but my two-year statute of limitations window had already closed because legislatives shortened the window just a few years earlier from five years to two years on medical malpractice. Which I which I think is absolutely astounding. Yeah. As- astounding yeah. that medical malpractice, there's a window at all. I mean, you may not find out like you did until too late that you were mishandled. And yet now here we are protecting situations like this where they are clearly working with inferior standards. It's Mm -hmm. like that. This is life and death. Yeah, exactly. How how did that that make you feel? I mean, have you had did you have to kind of go through a grieving process? Like, how did you come to terms with this? How did you let go of any anger or resentment you had over this misstep? Gosh, you know, I think at first it was even just too hard for me to even think about because I was so frustrated and angry. And, you know, I was just concerned with staying alive that like I couldn't even really let my mind go there because it was just too much for me to handle. This could have gone been such a lighter diagnosis, such, you know, such an easier path for me that it was so hard for me to even let my brain go there. And it took a couple years out and, and even in, in this, in the news station reaching out to me and I was like, I need to talk about this. And it was very frustrating finding out that we couldn't do anything about it. And then even more frustrating that when I found out that this happened to several other women, that even though we just discovered the, the length of their ne- negligence, that nothing could be done. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like they were getting off scot-free. Now, I did learn that after like three of my news stories that Watson Imaging actually shut down. They shut their doors. So I'd like to think that I had something to do with that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But there's still whoever owns Watson. I don't know. I don't really know. I haven't really done a whole lot of digging, but something wasn't right and something wasn't up to standards. And whoever was reading the mammograms didn't know what they were looking for, Mm -hmm. basically, was what I was told. They missed some telltale signs. So just knowing that and knowing that that person's, I don't know if that person is being held accountable. I don't know if another woman who was in 
outside the two year of statute of limitations, maybe they said something. And, you know, it's just, you know, a part of me almost wants to like start a community like Watson missed my cancer and find the other women and just see, you know, if anything can be done. Yeah, it's hard to to know that they kind of got off with a whoopsie. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is how a lot of, me- I mean, medical negligence happens constantly, which we opened our whole series on medical skepticism with how often that occurs and how little resource and recourse there can be for patients who are a victim of that. So so we, we, yeah. asked, we asked Angela this question when we interviewed her for the last episode. Do you feel like everything that you've been through has kind of raised some flags with your medical skepticism? Or do you feel like it's just made you kind of like a more educated consumer of healthcare? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it could kind of be like a little bit of both. You know, it's called practicing medicine mm-hmm. for a reason. And I think when you don't have something significantly medically significant happen to you, you think, oh, doctors know all, nurses know all, they know all, they're always right. And then I think once you go through something like this, oh, well, they don't know everything because they're human. So Mm -hmm. they can't, they couldn't possibly know everything. And, you know, they're discovering new things all the time and things are changing all the time. So I think you just have to be your own advocate. You have to listen to yourself and then find a good team of doctors that you trust and then and then trust that good team. But if if you don't feel comfortable with your doctor or the team of people around you, then you don't need to trust them. You can find someone you do trust. And I think for me, once I found my team and my doctor and everything, I did everything they told me to do. I was like, oh, 100 percent. I I'm you know, obviously I had no. I was at stage three, almost stage four. I really didn't have options, right? It was like, listen to the team and do what they say to do. But I still, I still trust the system. But like, I I also believe that you need to have like a healthy skepticism of it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and trust that, that team. But like, it's okay. Also listen to yourself, get that second opinion. And investigate further for yourself. Like I think there's a a good balance of being educated yourself and doing the research yourself and also trusting your team. So yeah, Sarah Sarah and I were talking about it in an earlier episode. If people will say, oh, I can't believe you're medically skeptical. And I'm like, that doesn't come from nowhere. That comes from (laughs) personalized experience. And most Mm -hmm. of us have had an interaction that has, you know, our lived experience has shown us that there's a reason to have some medical skepticism. So to yeah, your point, right. no, nobody wants to be medical skeptic- medically skeptical until something happens and they're yeah. adversely affected and then that tends to breed it. So medical skepticism doesn't come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It comes out sure. of, like you said, flawed individuals making poor choices that then, you know, maybe not on purpose, but directly impact people's lives. So yeah, yeah we appreciate you sharing your story. Before we close out here, let's hear from our second sponsor. BJC Healthcare is proud to bring you the best medicine close to home. In addition to two full-service hospitals, Barnes Jewish St. Peter's and Progress West, community members in St. Charles County and beyond have access to the Siteman Cancer Center in St. Peter's, two convenient centers in the area, and doctor's offices across St. Charles County. Visit BJCStCharlesCounty.org to learn more. And we are back. So... Any la- I mean, you gave such a, a really good synopsis of, of everything that you're feeling about creating a good medical team. But is there any last minute things that you want people to know regarding their care? Regarding their care? Hmm. Well, I guess it's just just trust yourself. Know your body. My thing was it's okay 
to find out what your normal is. Like, I think as a young mom, you kind of feel weird for having a concern that maybe you, something's not right. Cause you're like, I'm young, I'm healthy. So I think, listen to yourself. You're never too young to go just get checked out and whatever that deductible or whatever that copay is, it's probably worth that peace of mind. Mm -hmm. So I just say it's okay to know you're normal and yeah. And trust yourself. All right. Love it. Love it. Thank Thank you you so much, Christy. Yep. Thank you guys. All right. Until next time, guys. See ya. Thank you for being a listener of the Besties with Breasties podcast. If this podcast had a positive impact on your journey, leave us a review or consider becoming a supporter. You can donate with the link in the show notes or at faiththroughfire.org. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmus, audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. (laughs) 